This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We have, though, with us right now, Albany County DA David Suarez. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, it's amazing, uh, District Attorney. You know, you are obviously a Democrat, yet you are so frustrated with all these bail laws uh, that are going on. And that was the big thing that DeSantis talked about just a few hours ago when he was here in New York. How is everyone doing today? I uh, certainly didn't mean to uh, raise a fuss, but it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult watching uh, watching your staff uh, be overworked uh, as, as prosecutors with uh, these reforms. But it's it's much worse watching its impact on the streets of, of Albany County, where we see uh, the, the the worst impact taking place in uh, the very neighborhoods. We were promised these reforms would uh, would help. Mr. District Attorney, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Welcome to Cats at Night. I read uh, your remarks. It was printed in the New York Post and the article saying that you were excluded by the Senate Democrats from testifying because they didn't like the message you were going to say. I think that's absolutely awful. The censorship of you because you have a different opinion about the impact of these so-called reforms that are threatening public safety. And you're to be commended. I told John Casmatiz this morning, as far as I'm concerned, you're the man of the year. <laughs> well, I, look, I, I wouldn't go that far. There, look, um, I think that, that, that people are well-intended. Um, these reforms are certainly, I believe that the authors were well-intended. <clears throat> However, uh, we, we as a, the District Attorneys Association had provided early warnings for what could what this could possibly lead to. And um, we couldn't even even imagined that these would be the results. And, and I think I wasn't going there to attack anyone. I was going there to hopefully engage in, in reflection, uh, providing them with information from from my personal experience, watching over a, a county that uh, historically has enjoyed incredible lows in, in crime and, and communities that have uh, prospered <clears throat> with, with low crime rates. Now, all of a sudden, being so disrupted. I mean, the idea that we have 16 and 17-year-old young people who were apprehended more than once with loaded firearms and prosecutors are prohibited from from holding them accountable in adolescent parts is just, this could not have been the intent of the Raise the Age statute. And so my, my intention was not to offend anyone. Uh, but but to point those issues out, hopefully help um, in, in fixing these flawed reforms. Uh, but that was not to be. District Attorney Shores, this is uh, former Congressman Pete King. Let me also commend you on what you're saying. The irony in all this, though, is that the statement that you made just several years ago could be made by any Democrat or any Republican. It wouldn't be that controversial. And also, I agree with you. Say, I'm sure these people meant well in the beginning. That happens you know, was, uh, many times in politics and government. Uh, you mean well, and it goes wrong. The idea is uh, own up to the mistake and correct it. Don't just you know, you know, dig yourself in stronger than ever. That, that's exactly the, the the position that I was taking. And I was like, again, uh, Your Honor, I wasn't. I was not hoping to embarrass anyone, and I was. I was not going there to to attack anyone. Uh, but I did want to point out th- these experiences and. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can one suggest that we're a safer, more equitable state when, um, again, we have young people who are, are carrying and engaging in the most violent of acts, uh, not being held accountable? So, but the question is, um, 
are they going to do anything? I mean, did you feel like it fell on deaf ears? Well, I'll tell you who is listening, and, and that's our governor. Um, you know, the, the posture that she has certainly taken um, with her state of the state and, and looking to provide more resources to law enforcement, in addition to asking um, that we revisit the, the least restrictive uh, condition, which is what every single judge, and, I, and again, I want to take a moment here and just briefly explain, because I've, I've watched with interest what's happening in your subway systems and, and the fact that, you know, leaders promise more policing. Well, more policing is great, but the fact of the matter is when those police eventually make those arrests, no matter how many people are arrested, it's still going before a judge that must apply the least restrictive condition. And so I, for one, am really happy that, that the governor has decided to take that on, and, and I'm hoping that she can get much more support because that will go a long way into fixing some of the problems that we're experiencing now all throughout the state. I will tell you, uh, it's, uh, it's Judge Weinberg. I will tell you, Mr. District Attorney, I speak to the judges all the time, and they're absolutely frustrated. They have dangerous people. We have recidivists. They can't hold them in. They can't set bail. That least restrictive test is an awful test, they tell me. The age issue about raising age is terrible. The other thing that you should discuss, which causes a lot of DAs down here in New York City dismissing cases, is because of the discovery laws, because they don't have enough time to do what's necessary to process the cases. Would you comment on that? Judge, and I don't have to tell you because you're you're 100 percent correct. Not only have have they made it impossible to hold dangerous people, the dangerous people that are repeatedly causing harm, not only have they made it impossibly impossible to hold them while their cases are proceeding through the process, but now we can't even hold them accountable because of the sheer volume. And and as you said, uh, my downstate colleagues have seen you know anywhere from uh, a forty to fifty percent dismissal rates on misdemeanors. And by the way. Misdemeanors are important because a lot of our retailers, not only here in Albany County, but but retailers all throughout the state, you know, most of these offenses that are occurring in their in their businesses are are, are petty larcenies or, or petty offenses, but yet again can't hold individuals accountable. And I don't think that businesses closing are, are going to be contribute those things, those conditions are not going to be contributing to the health and, and vibrancy of our state, which again I'm hoping that we do have some support in, in the governor's um, bill to revisit the least restrictive uh, condition. But you are 1,000 percent correct in discovery is, is hurting um, offices all throughout the state. DA, I, I, I pray that the governor puts her foot down and say enough is enough. And, you know, when I, I met with the, uh, the governor uh, five days before the election, I said, my only uh, contention with you is the the fact is uh, uh, these violent criminals, <clears throat> repeat violent criminals. And originally, uh, the police commissioner said there was 3,000. And now when the governor met with Eric Adams, Mayor Adams, uh, last week, says 2,000. Well, 2,000 violent criminals make 8.5 million people miserable. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, um, I, I know that these lawmakers had intended to uh, bring more equity um, to the criminal justice system. That has not been the result. The, the result is you are still seeing a small number of people creating the most amount of harm. And, and speaking of our governor, uh, I, I have not uh, I have not held my tongue when things have been done or said 
um, uh, by, by this administration. Uh, but what I can say is over the last several months and the last several times that, that we have met, um, she's made promises uh, about getting stronger and tougher on, um, on, on these reforms. And we have, as a state, we'll know, become- we'll know, <laughs> DA, yeah. uh, we'll know over the next few weeks who's going to be the real governor. Is it going to be the state Senate or the Governor Hunkel? Because if, I, I if she doesn't put a foot down, governor. what's your prediction? Uh, we have to support our governor because if the state Senate continues to pass these reforms and continues on the track uh, that they have been, um, I fear things are only going to get worse. And there's plenty of blame in the state assembly, too. Let's not forget the assembly because they've been pushing it as well. Yeah. And boy, after the whole thing with the judge thing, it's been such a mess. Right. Elsa Jay, as you said, it's black lives are still being shot by yeah. bullets. That's the, that's the reality. Black and brown are overwhelmingly suffering the victimization DA, here. D.A. Soros, thank you for everything you do, and, and thank you, more important, for speaking out on it, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The other person that was in New York today yelling and screaming about the bail reform is killing us uh, was Governor DeSantis. And the person I understand that that introduced Governor DeSantis, we have a former gubernatorial uh, uh, candidate, Lee Zeldin. Lee, what the heck happened in Staten Island today? Oh, this morning we kicked off the day strong with a lot of law enforcement and others uh, on Staten Island who came out. Uh, to meet with Governor DeSantis. Uh, He was starting off a a three-city day. He was going to Philadelphia and Chicago from there, but uh, start off with a a discussion on on law enforcement and that clear contrast of what's going on here in New York uh, compared to what's going on right now down in Florida. And, 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 And tell us about the crowd. Tell us about what he said. You know, while he covered a lot related to law enforcement and they've been doing a lot to tackle crime in Florida, uh, there was also a message related to the economy, related to freedom. Uh, Really what I found during the campaign last year is that confirmation of what the main reasons are why New York leads the entire nation in population loss is that they look to states like Florida and they believe that their money will go further, they'll feel safer, they'll live life freer. And in many respects, uh, Governor DeSantis's remarks covered uh, all three of those topics while the main focus was on law and order. Good energy uh, with the crowd. Staten Island is an amazing place uh, where we ended up winning the race last year by about 33, 34 points on Staten Island, uh, they're motivated to take back their city, state, and country. They did not seem deterred whatsoever. Uh, It was a a great energy this morning. And, Lee, this is Rita Cosby joining John. Um, Great to talk with you. I know you joined us last uh, week, which was wonderful, Lee. Um, I want to get your reaction to also, he really took it to New York State, though, and he said, you know, it's the only state in the country that doesn't allow dangerousness in making the decisions. We were just talking about that with D.A. Uh, Suarez just a little bit ago. Um, do you think um, that uh, this is basically sort of the opening salvo, if you will, for DeSantis, too? Because clearly he starts in New York, then he goes to Philly. Um, he's in Chicago later. 
Uh, what was the what are your thoughts on sort of this is sort of the issue for him? This is a, a big issue and Americans are so concerned. Yeah, judges should have discretion to weigh dangerousness and that should be changed right now in New York. Uh, the fact that they don't have the ability to do that in this current cashless bail law is is crazy. And uh, it's led to a lot of uh, judges who have been forced to release people unable to uh, utilize discretion to weigh dangerousness. Uh, and, you know, listen, I, while uh, Kathy Hochul might propose a tweak, and she did the same thing last year, a tweak to the bail law, what we should be demanding of Albany is that they actually fix it. I mean, we can't go through this where every single year we go into another budget discussion where we're going to be satisfied with some minor change that doesn't actually fix it. Judges need discretion away dangerousness. And this isn't a partisan issue. This is an issue where even the New York City Mayor Eric Adams is calling for it. And for anyone who's part of Hochul's party, even if you're a Democrat, you don't have to give Hochul your proxy and be satisfied with whatever position she wants to take. You can actually call for her to just do the right thing in this budget while also calling on the state legislature to do the same. And my last thing I'll tell you, too, is if you are if you are Hochul, you need to start learning how to better use public opinion. Bring your message to the people. That's the only way to be successful in in beating back a far left supermajority in the assembly and Senate. She doesn't understand public opinion and that aspect of public policy. She's going to continue to get rolled. Uh, so, yeah, that's a main theme with what Governor DeSantis uh, was covering today, the cashless bail debate, because there's other jurisdictions, there's other states where they want to bring this these policies to their state. Hey, hey Lee, Lee, this is Pete King. First of all, congratulations on the great race you ran. As you go around, what do you find people talking about the most? Is crime the top issue, taxes, just you know, lack of leadership in Albany? I have found that downstate, the number one issue is crime. The number two issue is the economy. Upstate, the number one issue is the economy. The number two issue is crime. Uh, People care about uh, upward economic mobility, the quality of education in schools. Uh, There are other concerns that people talk about. And by the way, you can't even paint everybody with the, the same broad brush. If you go talk to the Asian American community downstate and they're talking about education, They're talking primarily about advanced academics, which shouldn't be eliminated in the name of equity, merit-based entry in the specialty school, and eliminating CRT. But you could go talk to some parent who might be uh, from the black community or the Hispanic community, and they're talking about the desire to send their kid to to another, you know, having school choice, uh, making sure that their kid isn't trapped in multi-generational poverty, stuck in a poor-performing public school. Uh, But... If I was just to say generally, yeah, the number one issue downstate is still crime. Lee, Lee Zeldin, thank you for coming on. One last quick question. Are you going to run for Senate against Lee against Gildebrand, Senator Gildebrand? I thought I was hoping you were going to ask me to be your campaign manager. I don't know. We'll, have <laughs> well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. That wasn't a yes I or a no. <laughs> I think he's the only candidate we have. I know. I think so, too. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And joining us now is Lindsay Chervinsky. She is a senior fellow. Uh, She works with the Center for Presidential History, uh, SMU 
professional lecturer and is there at George Washington University. Uh, so great to have you here. What a perfect day uh, to have you here, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be able to talk about Washington on President's Day. You know, by the way, um, we were uh, amongst ourselves. There's this list of 110 rules of civility uh, that George Washington <laughs> sort of put together. There's some great ones in here. One of the ones is uh, uh, no reproachful language. Don't revile your competitor. I'm thinking like, boy, has that been thrown out of the window? Um, but he had some he really set the standard for ethics and morals. Tell us why he probably was him and Lincoln. Obviously, I think uh, two of our greatest ever. Yeah, I would definitely put him up there. I think it's hard for us to imagine today because we know how history has actually worked out. But when the country was being created and during the Revolutionary War and then the Constitutional Convention and when he became the first president, they didn't know how it was going to pan out. And they didn't know if this grand experiment was going to succeed or was going to fail. And so every single decision that he made was really stacked with so much responsibility and tension and fear that if he made a wrong choice, it was going to fail. And he knew that he was really at several moments the only person that could hold that role. So, for example, during the war, Congress called the army Washington's army because they knew that if he left, so too would the soldiers. And during the Constitutional Convention, everyone knew that if he wasn't there, it was going to fail. And when they elected the first president, everyone knew he was going to be that first president because there was literally no one else that could hold the nation together. I mean, and I, I understand you've got some great stories, too, of his time. Tell us some of your favorite stories. Well, one of my favorite stories actually comes after his presidency, and I think that it really shows his sense of humor, but also his humanity in a way that is sometimes forgotten when we just look at the marble bust. So in 1798, he really wanted John Marshall to run for Congress. And this is, of course, future Supreme Court Chief Justice John Marshall. And John Marshall didn't want to. And so Washington invited him to come visit Mount Vernon and put on like a three-day full press attempt to try and get him to say yes. And Marshall said no, and Marshall said no, because he didn't want to be involved in politics. And they went to this event. And so and Marshall was kind of like trying to get away from Washington. So he was trying to socialize with other people, because he knew he could only say no so many times to Washington. And so the next morning, he planned to leave on the third day, and he thought that he would get up early and sneak out so that Washington wouldn't be able to confront him. And he walked downstairs and standing there in the entry hall at Mount Vernon was George Washington in full military regalia, including his dress sword, basically reminding Marshall that he had been his commander in chief. And he was demanding that Marshall run. And finally, Marshall caved and said yes. And I just think it's so funny because he could be so much more manipulative than we give him credit for. Yeah, really interesting. By the way, uh, since uh, Biden's in Poland, tell the story. Also, you know, Casimir Pulaski, a great Pole, saved George Washington's life. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, I think one of the things that we also forget about the early republic and, and the Revolutionary War in general is that it really was an interconnected world. Both the revolution was an international effort. There were soldiers and officers that had come from all over the country and including one of Washington's favorites, the Marquis de Lafayette. There were Polish officers, one of the best um, officers. Sounds like the Ukraine. To- 
It's true. It's really true. And uh, one of the best officers to drill the soldiers was a Prussian officer. So these connections, I think, were really essential and kind of a timeless revolutionary spirit. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot uh, politically, but how do you think George Washington would look at what's going on today? Well, I think there are some things that would seem to him to be sort of just a regular part of the human condition. Occasionally, he could be pessimistic about his fellow man. But I think he would be disappointed that Americans are allowing the things that they have that are different from each other to drive wedges between us. He would remind us that we have way more in common than we have different. And whether that's partisan divide or loyalties with foreign nations or you name it, geographical location, he would remind us that we are much better together than we are apart. And if we forget that, it will be at our peril. I know this morning we put on the WABC website uh, the Washington's uh, uh, standards. Uh, what was yeah, it's, it? It's, yeah, it's the 110 rules of civility that guided him. And um, what a, Pete, you had a funny one. We were talking about some of, one of the funny ones that he said in, in, his, in his civility. I'm going to put Pete at King's Highway on the spot here. Yeah, as far as uh, avoid touching people in inappropriate places. <laughs> And you wouldn't think that that would need to be something the president would be told. But if we remember that Washington was basically making a copy for these when he was a 14-year-old boy, maybe that that is a better reminder when we think of that age than perhaps an adult. Dr. Shavinsky, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. The other thing that Washington and Madison worried about was the danger of factionalism, a divided country. And national unity was absolutely essential and common shared values was essential. And both Washington understood that. And Abraham Lincoln understood that as well. What are your comments? Yeah, and I think that they had they had both very sort of ideological reasons for believing that, but concrete versions for believing that as well. And they made those arguments on both terms. So, for example, in his farewell address, Washington reminded Americans that, for example, uh, Westerners really needed the, the East Coast because they needed ports to be able to sell their goods. And the more Atlantic seaboard region needed the Western territories for supplies and food and grain. So there were real economic reasons to try and retain these ties and these connections between different sections. But also we are we are privileged as a nation in a way that few nations are and that we have two neighboring countries that are incredibly friendly. And then we have two giant oceans. And so the only thing that can really tear us apart is ourselves. And I think that was something that both Washington and Lincoln were really concerned about and remains one of our greatest threats. Well, happy George Washington's birthday. That was great. Yeah, Thank you so much for uh, bringing to light. Yeah, very fascinating. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Really great stuff. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. 
This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Andy, boy, you wrote a really powerful column um, basically saying uh, time to impeach Biden basically over the border. Tell us about it. Well, Rita, it's it's uh, I, I love talking to these guys, but it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a while. <laughs> Great to talk to you. Thank you, too, um, my friend. I um, look, I, I I realize that um, Biden, we don't have the votes in the Senate to impeach Biden. Uh, and, you know, you have to ask, be careful what you ask for, because if the if the replacement, if you could impeach him and the replacement was worse, you'd be in worse shape. But the thing is. I wrote a book about impeachment back in 2014 to try to wrestle with why it's in the Constitution in the first place. And Madison felt like it was uh, indispensable in order to get good behavior out of the executive branch. If you don't have a credible threat of impeachment, um, you're apt to have all kinds of uh, excess and abuse from uh, the chief executive. And the framers were very concerned about that. So if the House were to impeach Biden, I think, first of all, he doesn't want to be impeached. So that would actually leave a mark. Uh, but more to the point, uh, under the Senate rules, you would have to shut all Senate business down for however long it took to have a, an impeachment trial. And I just think the prospect of having the nation's attention riveted to what's going on at the border, which unfortunately hasn't happened to this point, is the only chance that we have uh, to get uh, correct policy out of Biden, who's really um, abdicated his responsibility to protect the national security at the border. The courts can't do it. Congress is stalemated. Uh, and I don't see any other alternative. Andy, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. You also had another article, which I thought was very compelling, about that the law does require the government of the United States to detain illegal aliens. And he's not enforced the law. He's violating his oath of office. Those, to me, are impeachable grounds. Yeah, Judge, it's actually even worse than I had the space to let on. Uh, I I can't remember now if I made this point or not, but the Biden administration has actually cut the funding for detention space in the United States. So, for example, last year, they 2.2 million aliens were stopped at the border. They call these uh, encounters. That doesn't count another 600,000 who got in without being inspected, who basically sneak into the country. We only have 30,000 spaces for detention. And Congress's law, which has been on the books for a long time, explicitly says that uh, people who enter the country in that status shall be detained, even if they have plausible claims that they have a fear of persecution, they're supposed to be held until the conclusion of those proceedings. So the Biden administration's claim that they're allowed to parole them into the country is simply wrong under federal law. And it's also a farce because what they're saying is that they can't detain people uh, because we don't have enough space. And yet when they put in budget proposals, they're actually cutting the detention space. Andy, Andy, this is Pete King. And I agree with everything you said about how indefensible Biden's record is in this. My only concern is using impeachment. You know, we only had it once in the first hundred, almost 200 years of the country. Yeah. And uh, I voted against Clinton's impeachment and Trump's, even though you could have made an argument in both of them. But I just feel that it's a dangerous precedent to set if we're going to be impeaching presidents as much as we think they're, viol- you know, not enforcing the law. 
to start impeaching as an ordinary course of business, I think, can be dangerous. But I can't argue logically with what you're saying. I'm just thinking of you know the policy ramifications. Like it's become too commonplace. Is yeah, your but point. this is but this is much more serious than the Clinton or the Trump the situation. The country is being invaded. Exactly right. Yes. John's right. Look at when the numbers. Do we, when do we stop the invasion? But I'm just saying and that. Even the Chinese. John, when we get into the this, Chinese we, are coming over. Yeah, the we have to have some yeah, stability. We have to have some stability in our country. My concern is this can create a sense of instability, which would affect all administrations. And I'm sure Democrats could say Trump didn't enforce the law, Nixon didn't enforce it, Reagan didn't enforce it. To me, impeachment should be the weapon of last resort. But, Andy, I can't argue with your logic. By the way, I... I what other choices do we have, uh, Peter? You, you, you John, were in John, we've been around for over 200 yeah, years, just, and we only used impeachment three times. Yes, Mr. McCarthy, yeah, go ahead. I, I, yeah, I, I would just want to agree with Pete because I think in, in, to this extent, I think in hindsight, uh, it took the country down a bad road that we're still dealing with uh, by impeaching Clinton. And I think, you know, history probably will remember Pete's vote on that as being the correct one, even though I think, you know, at, at the time, I certainly believe that Clinton deserved to be impeached. But, you know, there is a difference between uh, an impeachment for partisan, on partisan grounds for something that really doesn't go to the president's core responsibilities, which is, I think, arguably the Clinton case and the Trump Ukraine case. Versus what we're dealing with now, which is a core responsibility. Yeah, but Clinton of the got impeached over politics. He, you know, he he lied about sex. All right, he didn't. It wasn't national security. Yeah, but you can make right. the argument. This it is wasn't a policy national difference. security. Yeah, but you no, can no. make the argument. This is policy. No, okay. but 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 this is about protecting is, the homeland. What is, is more you important? Can about, you can say that about everything. No, no but what not is more, about this. What Peter, is more important? I, I, know the and I agree with you. Uh, this is national security, and I think Andy McCarthy is exactly right on this. Well, Andy McCarthy is almost. By the way, Andy, I was watching a documentary on Rudy last night, and I saw a curly-haired oh. Irish guy standing behind him <laughs> at a uh, press conference on the mafia. It looked very much like a young Andy McCarthy. Well, that was that must have been uh, what was that in amber? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, before we let you go, real quick, Andy, uh, we were talking before about FEMA finally coming to Ohio. Uh, Real quick, your thoughts on that? Isn't that unbelievable? I thought they'd get to Ukraine first, so I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're glad they're going, but uh, many weeks too late. Good point, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Great to have you here. Great talking to you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now I understand we got Dr. Peter Mihalos. And uh, he's going to talk about putting some poop on your step. <laughs> Dr. Mills, how do you like that intro? Well, uh, it's very interesting, but on a happy note, happy uh, President's Day, which actually started as George Washington Day in 1885. And thanks to an executive order from President Nixon, who made it Uniform Monday Day, it was a movement started by a senator in Illinois. And that's how we got President's Day and combined it all to the third Monday. But holidays used to be on the exact days. But uh, that's the history of President's Day. And, uh, yes, we're going to talk about poopology today. It's kind of scary. <laughs> by, by the from, way, uh, is there is there such a thing as poopology, or did you invent that? Oh, no, I just made it up because, you know, I gotta, <laughs> we, we've got to find some Greek word, you know. Or as, uh, Poopoloski. Or as, uh, or that's that Polish. Polish. That's Polish. I'm sorry. While, you're full of, full of crap. That's that little, uh, <laughs> that little one. You play once Tell us about that, that, that study that was done in the, in the so papers. The Journal of Indoor Environment. Uh, and uh, students and a scientist from Marymount College in Manhattan, basically they 
went around Manhattan sampling the water and streets and various places, and they found that there were all types of uh, pathogens that are found in feces and basically fecally contaminated puddles where, for example, you had like a 31,000 count of bacteria and three and a half ounces of water. You would shut a beach down if there were only 110 particles of a bacteria. So you can imagine how much bacteria they found that it tracks underneath shoes and people are bringing it into their houses. So you have babies, toddlers. (laughs) That's it. You're crawling on the carpets and that's a big problem. And that's why in the Japanese culture, for example, during pandemics, that's why they take their shoes off in a lot of these cultures. That was during pandemics not to track bacteria. I I think, look, we're joking around, but I think it's the right thing. Take your shoes off before you go into your home. And by the, by the yeah, way, for clarification, Peter, what kind of poop? People are wondering, you see, is it homeless people poop? Animal, is it animal poop? Animal, well, it used to be mostly animal poop, but unfortunately now in places like San Francisco and New York, we're seeing uh, human poop. And I saw that for the first time probably six months ago where a guy right in Manhattan on 3rd Avenue just dropped his pants and unloaded right there. So then, and, and, you know, as being a doctor, I'm thinking to myself, Hepatitis A can be in poop, cholera, typhoid, rotavirus, Norwalk virus. And I'm saying, you know, and little kids are going around and walking around. You know, it's not it's just not not a good thing. The other thing we're going to quickly touch upon is the concern with these large new electric cars and large pickups that are one thousand to two and a half thousand pounds more weight. So they need more energy to power them. So they actually end up generating more CO2 and more greenhouse gases because the raw materials. You need to make them and the mining, the cobalt, the lithium, the neodymium for the motors. You end up actually spending more energy. So uh, that's a big problem. And actually, they're much more deadly because they're much heavier. It's like a heavyweight boxer champion hitting a featherweight champion. And the more force per unit area when you have a car that could weigh up to 2,500 pounds more, which is actually the weight of an entire Mazda Miata, and imagine getting hit by that. And that's why the the death rate in the United States is actually up in the United States because of higher speed limits and because the cars aren't equally matched. In Europe, it's lower because all the cars are relatively matched in weight and size. But here we have all these oversized cars. And when you get into a collision and you're in a smaller, lighter car, it's a much deadlier because it hits you with a large I understand, amount of force. Uh, Dr. Michalos, I understand there was a very bad accident in Suffolk County uh, near where you live. Uh, yeah, in East Marion, it was very uh, traumatic for me Head because on. it was one of my classmates, Doctor. Uh, uh, yep, yeah, one of my classmates and uh, one of my professors uh, uh, was a pulmonary professor there. Oh, we're so sorry. They were hit by a Tesla, and uh, they were in a large Ford Explorer, but they were hit by a Tesla, and the the thing obviously blew those batteries. You know, the fire was so intense it burned everyone alive in both cars. So they could. So get that's out. how they so died. They didn't die from the crash. They died well, from, from the fires. Both cars were engulfed in fire. Yeah, when you can't get out. Well, in car crashes, you actually, most of the time, you don't actually die from the crash immediately. You die from bleeding out and hemorrhage because you get foot and ankle injuries, large arteries, and you start bleeding out. And when you bleed out, you go into hemorrhagic shock and you die, or your spleen gets ruptured in a very high speed. You don't actually die from the mechanical crash itself. Many times it's just the, the you know, the, the major blood loss. And that's why it's so important that we're in New York. We're fortunate we have great uh, EMS and great hospitals and doctors and trauma centers. But at 1130 at night, all the way at the end of Long Island and East Marion, you know, it's, it's a problem getting to a level one trauma center. But 
And there has to be someone there with the jaws of life, which is an instrument to extract people out of the car. The other issue is a lot of fire departments are not prepared to put out lithium fires because water could take hours. You have to have special chemicals. You need to wear special masks because the battery puts out a hydrogen cyanide gas, which is extremely toxic. And many organizations and local fire departments aren't really set up. They're set up to handle a gas fire. The first thing we tell everyone is when you have a car accident, shut your ignition off. Two reasons. In a gas car, to shut the gas supply and fuel pump off, and also to stop the electrical <coughs> current in a, in a battery-operated uh, car. And uh, those are some of the things. And it's good probably to carry a little small hammer or an instrument. You can actually break the glass to help you uh, escape more readily if you have to. One more thing. The fire commissioner of the city of New York was on television all weekend that uh, she is very much concerned with the lithium-ion batteries uh, that they're causing fires in, in apartment buildings. And yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Cheap materials with cheap lining, not enough uh, proper insulation, and it's not being regulated. It needs to be immediately regulated that all batteries coming into this country have to have a UL approval or some time of authorizing body to say it's been tested, it has integrity, it can handle temperature differentials, because these things can overheat and they can hurt people. And we know about several fires where people have been killed. And those are some of the things, instead of some of the hundred millions we're spending on other projects here, safety is first. And the people in uh, East Palestine, they should be sending 3,000 emergency water filters so people can at least take a little bit of a safer shower and help those people there with that chemical spill. Yeah, really scary stuff. President's Day to everybody, and uh, that's the end of the course on poopology for today. Thank you, poopologist expert. Thank you very much, Dr. Peter Mihalos. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And joining us now is... Probably the biggest best-selling author ever. He has so many books in print. He is also not only a prolific author, by the way, 19 million books sold. He is also a great contributor, great journalist, great host. And he's always on WABC. He's got his great show, Common Sense, before my show, which I love, at 9 o'clock. And he's on with Sid and Friends and also on Curtis's show. We love him here on WABC, the great Bill O'Reilly. Uh, Bill, uh, thanks so much for being here. And I know you want to talk first off about President's Day. Tell us uh, your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, we don't have a lot of time here, but I'll run down. New York is the second um, state that has the most presidents. Virginia's first. They had eight. New York has seven, five born. Ohio has seven, six born. So we have our lineup. Martin Van Buren, all right, Millard Fillmore, Teddy Roosevelt, FDR, Donald Trump, Grover Cleveland, and the immortal Chester Arthur. Now, of all of them, I mean, you can make your own decisions. Millard Fillmore didn't do anything in 1850. I mean, he, he saw that the nation was fracturing over slavery and kind of hid under his desk. Martin Van Buren is the best story. I'm going to do it very quick. So Martin Van Buren was called the Little Magician because he's about five foot four, Kinderhook, New York, outside of Albany, uh, spoke Dutch. All right, uh, he's born in 1782, but he was a consummate politician. And he rose up, 
became the governor of New York, and a buddy with Andrew Jackson. Couldn't be two more opposite guys. Jackson loved Van Buren because Van Buren would agree with everything Jackson said. <clears throat> so um, Van Buren's nickname at that point was Old Kingerhook. Okay. Ready? That's how okay, the most common word in the world, came into being. Oh my God! Wow, all of us, by the way, all of us news. are shaking our heads. We never knew breaking that. News. That's amazing, Nobody Bill. Nobody knows it. Nobody knows it but me. Okay, so old Kinderhook is first Secretary of State, then appointed Vice President under Jackson, and then when Jackson serves his two terms, Van Buren runs for president and uh, gets it. And it's a disaster because the economy collapses one term. He's booted back to New York. Now, the reason that uh, old Kinderhood became okay is because Van Buren kissed the butt of Andrew Jackson every second of every. He was like Ed McMahon. Remember Ed McMahon? (laughs) (laughs) You are correct, sir. And so people in Washington made fun of Martin Van Buren by his nickname, shortened from old Kinderhood. To OK, that's how OK came into the lexicon as agreeing with someone. Wow, that you're, we're learning some new stuff here. This is amazing. John shaking news. I thought John knew everything. Now we taught something something to John. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and the others. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt, one of my personal favorites. FDR was disrespected uh, this weekend by the uh, Biden administration over the Japanese internment because the Biden people wanted a virtue signal, so they scorched him, even though his portrait is hanging over the fireplace in the Oval Office. Wow. What are the other things we want to talk with you about, Bill? What's on your mind, Bill? I mean, you're going to be on tonight between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock on WABCradio.com, BillOReilly.com, and on your iPhone, 77WABC. What are you going to be talking about tonight? Well, we're leading with the Fox News Dominion lawsuit, which is going to change... Uh, the media in America. And that wow. uh, trial begins in April. And I'll tell you the truth, as I always do, um, and what happened, why it happened, uh, why the coverage of it last week was absolutely abysmal. Um, you'll get the truth tonight on Common Sense and WABC at 9 o'clock. Wow. Uh, before I let you go, Bill, too, I want to get your thoughts about uh, Biden surprising everybody and going to Ukraine, because everyone's talking about that. Well, he's used to riding Amtrak, so I understand they uh, got him on the train and uh, zipped him in, and that's a good thing. I mean, Putin is a villain. He's got to be neutralized. I have no criticism of Biden doing that. Yeah, I agree, too. We were talking about that earlier, too. I think it was good he went in. I wish he went in sooner, but he did it. Delicious Peking. I listened to the whole show, um, but, you know, you squeeze me into a little corner here, but that's okay. I'll defer. No, no, um, no. We're going to get you on for a full 15 minutes every time from now on. And we right, save the John. best for and last. You know what? There's no, it, when John says it, it happens. It will. So there you go. It will. And, and we save the best for last, Bill, because we love you, of course. Well, thank you, Rita. That's very kind of you. And I want everybody, I hope you do think about your country today on President's Day. The two best presidents ever were Abraham Lincoln, number one. And George Washington, number two. Peter King, you had something? I was just going to ask Bill, uh, without giving away your show tonight, 
How do you think the Fox uh, lawsuit is going to end up? Can't call it, but I explain why I can't call it. But the most important thing is why it happened. And I, I do a 14-minute analysis of it tonight at 9 o'clock. I'm telling you, you won't. You know, I've been I was worked there for more than 20 years. Yeah. You okay. will not get a more honest, uh, straightforward analysis. Well, I'm going to listen to it. I want to find out what's going to happen. I always listen. I love Bill's show. And uh, Bill, you always have blockbuster stuff. And we will definitely be tuning in tonight. Again, everybody tune in. Uh, Bill with his great analysis of the Dominion lawsuit against Fox. You know, it's going to be a blockbuster at nine o'clock on 77 WABC. And then uh, my show after it. I'm the lucky one after Bill O'Reilly, the great Bill O'Reilly. Bill, Rita's thank you. on from, not, from uh, 10 to 12. 10 to 12. Bill, thank you. We love you, Bill. Then thank Dominic you. Carter. All right, guys. Thank yes. you. Thank Bye. you, Bill. Thank you so much. And, uh, well, you know, we're out of time. This hour went really fast. But what, what, is, what do we stand for and what does George Washington stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and an American way. way. God bless America. Thank you and happy President's Day. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.